Hi, everybody, and welcome to All Hallows, the podcast of Halloween, Samhain, and Dia de Muertos, touching on the mundane and the magical. Today's topic, as I promised yesterday, is witches, and most specifically, the witches of William Shakespeare's play Macbeth. Now, the reason we're going to look at the witches for Macbeth is because they form a lot of what we conceive of as witches. Shadowy figures huddled around a cauldron, pouring in nauseating ingredients. That comes from Shakespeare. And Shakespeare's witches are very unique. First of all, Macbeth is Shakespeare's shortest tragedy, and a lot of scholars believe that we don't have the whole thing. They think something was cut out either because the source material for the first folio was a touring script and so it didn't have everything in it or because it was cut down to let Thomas Middleton add more witches dances which is something that I think is interesting to address and if you read Macbeth you might be struck by how tonally different the scenes with just the three witches and the scenes that add Hecate and the other unnamed witches are. And yes, I am pronouncing Hecate correctly, at least as far as Shakespeare uses the name. The two-syllable form of the name is the way that Shakespeare always intends that name to be spoken. There seems to be a tonal difference between any scenes with more than the three witches that start the play. Now, after 1600, when James I ascended to the throne, one of the court entertainments he most enjoyed was called masks, and M-A-S-Q-U-E-S, masks. And masks were elaborate spectacles that allowed singing, dancing, costumes, and a script, but didn't carry any of the negative connotations of everyday common, lowly theater. And this allowed the court to take part in a mask. Several extremely important court members, right up to the queen, have been documented as participating in masks. And if you're any sort of student of William Shakespeare, you'll see that several of his later plays contain masks that never quite fit what's going on. If you look at The Winter's Tale, you'll see that Shakespeare attempted to add a mask or a mask-like interlude into Act 4, the satyrs dance, the shepherds rollicking and frolicking around, but it doesn't quite gel and it's often cut if you look at The Tempest, which is purportedly Shakespeare's last play, and there's no proof of that, but it's a good guess, he does effectively interweave a mask into a sort of nuptial blessing for Ferdinand and Miranda. In Macbeth, what we get is sort of an unharmonious mixture of the witches, and then all of a sudden a bunch of other witches, and Hecate. And it's widely supported and believed by most scholars that anybody else but the three witches is written by Thomas Middleton and an interpolation to make the play more interesting and more mask-like. For instance, listen to this. Now this whole scene that I'm about to read for you doesn't sound a thing like Shakespeare, and most likely was written by Thomas Middleton to set up justification for including a later witch's dance in the show. So here is Act 3, Scene 5, with the three witches and Hecate's first appearance. 
Why, how now, Hecate, you look angrily. Hecate replies, Have I not reason, beldams as you are, saucy and overbold? How did you dare to trade and traffic with Macbeth in riddles and affairs of death? And I, the mistress of your charms, the close contriver of all harms, was never called to bear my part or show the glory of our art? And which is worse, all you have done hath been but for a wayward son." Spiteful and wrathful, who as others do, loves for his own ends, not for you. But make amends now, get you gone, and at the pit of Acheron, meet me in the morning, thither he will come to know his destiny. Your vessels and your spells provide, your charms and everything beside. I am for the air, this night I'll spend, unto a dismal and a fatal end. Great business must be wrought ere noon upon the corner of the moon. There hangs a vaporous drop profound, I'll catch it ere it come to ground. And that, distilled by magic slights, shall raise such artificial sprites, as by the strength of their illusion shall draw him on to his confusion. He shall spurn fate, scorn death, and bear. He hopes above wisdom, grace, and fear. And you all know, security is mortal's chiefest enemy. Music and a song within, come away, come away, Hecate. Hark, I am called, my little spirit, see, sits in a foggy cloud and stays for me. Exit, first witch says, come, let's make haste, she'll soon be back again. Exeunt. Now anyone with an ear to poetry or to Shakespeare's writing can hear that that's not Shakespeare. It's a simplistic rhyming scheme. It's ugly. Shakespeare never uses beldams or beldames. I may have overemphasized the clumsiness of the rhyming, but you could hear it. Serves nothing for the plot. It's merely an excuse for a bunch of sexy witches to sing and dance on stage. So in a moment, I'm going to play you a Reader's Theater version of Macbeth that several members of the Santa Fe Shakespeare Society, which is a group that I run, we're merely online now, obviously because of COVID, have graciously done. And I want you to hear the musicality and the sophistication of the patterns. One of the things that's most impressive is that Shakespeare's text actually inherently suggests movement through short vowel sounds and a dying fall in the middle part of this piece. You'll hear it. He'll do something almost sing-song to create a rhythm. Gale of dragon, tooth of wolf, witch's mummy. But then he adds an almost fall, an almost reversal of the spell, almost like you're going three times around the cauldron clockwise and then backing up or stopping. So you get scale of dragon, tooth of wolf, witch's mummy, maw and gulf of the raven salt sea shark, root of hemlock digged in the dark. So it's scale of dragon, tooth of wolf, witch's mummy, maw and gulf of the raven salt sea shark root of hemlock digged in the dark. So da, da, da. so it builds up this spiral and then either prolongs it or sedates it, but it it but it's enchanting. It casts its own spell over the audience. So let's listen to that. The woman with the British accent you'll be hearing is Joyce Lynn, an artist and wonderful actor. The other woman's voice will be Deb Denard, fantastic actor and mainstay of the Santa Fe Shakespeare Society. And the gentleman's voice you'll hear is Jim McGeffin, familiar to Santa Feans for several decades in West End Christmas and many other productions. Thrice the branded cat hath mewed. Thrice and once the hedge pig whined. Harpier cries, tis time, tis, tis time. time. 
Round about the cauldron go, in the poisoned entrails throw. Toad, that under cold stone days and nights hast thirty-one. Sweltered venom sleeping god. Boil thou first in, in the, the charmed pot. pot. <laughs> double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble. Fillet of a fenny snake in the cauldron boil and I have noted and toe of frog. Wool of bat and tongue of dog. Adder's fork and blind worm's sting. Lizard's leg and howlet's wing. For a charm of powerful trouble like a hell broth boil, boil and, and bubble. <laughs> double, double, toil and trouble. Fire burn, cauldron bubble. Scale of dragon's tooth of wolf. Witch's mummy. Moor and gulf of the raven salt sea shark. Root of hemlock, digged in the dark. Liver of blaspheming Jew. Gall of goat and slips of yew slivered in the moon's eclipse. Nose of Turk and Tartar's lips. Finger of birth strangled bab, ditch delivered by a drab. Make the gruel thick and slab. Add there to a tiger's, a tiger's children for the ingredients of our cauldron. Double, double, toil and trouble. trouble. Fire burn and cauldron bubble. Cool it with the baboon's blood. The charm is firm and good. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. Open locks, whoever knocks. <laughs> If you didn't understand some of those words, any Google search will bring up definitions. King James I was terrified of witches. He felt that witches had attacked his person, had tried to destroy him and his ship when he went to London to be crowned king. And he wrote a huge book. It's actually three books called Demonology in Form of a Dialogue, divided into three books by the high and mighty Prince James. At the time, he was James VI of Scotland. It touches on werewolves and vampires. So witches were obviously James's boogie people, and Shakespeare knew what he was doing, and Shakespeare deliberately used them. Now, Shakespeare took the inspiration for Macbeth from Raphael Holland's Head's Chronicles, 1586. And Shakespeare merged three stories from the Chronicles, that of Macbeth, Macduff, and Duncan, interchanging and swapping attributes, making a few things up out of whole cloth, and of course, adding his unique poetic stamp to the mix. There is no mention of witches in the original source material. The original source material for this event merely says the following. Yes, I have a copy in front of me. Shortly after happened a strange and uncouth wonder, which afterward was the cause of much trouble in the realm of Scotland, as ye shall after hear. It fortuned as Macbeth and Banquo journeyed toward Fors, where the king then lay. They went sporting by the way together without other company, save only themselves, passing thorough the woods and fields, when suddenly, in the middest of a land, there met them three women in strange and wild apparel, resembling creatures of elder world, whom when they attentively beheld, wondering much at the sight, the first of them spake and said, All hail Macbeth, Thane of Gloms. For he had lately entered into that dignity and office by the death of his father Sinel. The second of them said, Hail Macbeth, Thane of Cawdor. But the third said, All hail Macbeth, 
that hereafter shalt be king of Scotland. Then Banquo, what manner of women, saith he, are you, that seems so little favorable unto me, whereas to my fellow here, besides high offices, ye assign also the kingdom, appointing forth nothing for me at all? Yes, saith the first of them, we promise greater benefits unto thee than unto him, for he shall reign indeed, but with an unlucky end. Neither shall he leave any issue behind him succeed in his place, where contrarily thou indeed shall not reign at all, but of thee those shall be born which shall govern the Scottish kingdom by long order of continual descent. Herewith the foresaid women vanished immediately out of their sight. But afterward, and I'm jumping a little bit, but afterward the common opinion was that these women were either the weird sisters, that is, as you would say, the goddesses of destiny, or else some nymphs or fairies, endued with knowledge of prophecy by their necromantical science, because everything came to pass as they had spoken. For shortly after, the Thane of Cawdor, being condemned at fours of treason against the king committed, his lands, livings, and offices were given of the king's liberty to Macbeth. What's interesting is that Shakespeare never uses the phrase weird sisters to describe the witches in Macbeth. It's only in Holland's head. He calls them wayward or wayard sisters, W-E-Y-A-R-D, which would be a close pronunciation to weird, but he never uses the word weird in its proper form. So why did Shakespeare employ the witches? Well, they're sort of in the original source material, and more importantly, James I was terrified of them. Witches were very real and existential, in the modern sense of the word, threat. Many aspects of Macbeth directly address the then-current political situations in the United Kingdom, but that's for perhaps a Shakespeare podcast in the future. What we do owe Shakespeare is a chilling and long-living image of what witches are, at least on stage. Now, I'm sure the popular musical Wicked has supplanted that image in many people's minds, but 400 years of some amazing, beautiful writing has cemented these three weird, wayward sisters into our minds. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. This week, we're going to be sharing some literature with you, maybe a little Edgar Allan Poe, some obscure authors some fun stuff. Until then, stay safe, wear your masks, and be well.